Hey everybody, thank you so much for your patience. Uh, I know it's been a month since we've had an episode. Uh, little minor injury, that's that's beside the point. Um, but there's an episode up, so that's good. Uh, th- this time I got to talk with Jeff Abraham. I met Jeff Abraham through Kelly Carlin, and uh, he called me up and said, I don't know if you're aware, but I have quite a few comedy albums. Uh, that's kind of an understatement. Uh, the man has just this massive archive of amazing stuff, uh, some stuff that I've seen, um, but anything that I've already seen, he's got an immaculate copy of, stuff I haven't seen, I'm blown away by, stuff that I've been looking for for a very long time, um, and then he has the albums that we talk about here. These are all uh, local comedians, unknowns for the most part, unless you were there watching their show, got your autographed copy of their album and uh, happen to enjoy yourself somehow. Uh, and this is not to, to really crap on these guys' reputations as comedians, but, you know, uh, this stuff's a bit dated. This stuff's very clearly of a local flavor, uh, if only because it's it's just stuff to, you know, to sort of make you crack up while you were drunk in the 60s and the 70s. Um, so it's massively inappropriate, a lot of it. I'm just going to give you a heads up about that. Uh, if, if you're looking for, uh, you know, normally I put a, a minute clip here and there of what I consider to be the greater samples or some of the more unknown things in an album. Uh, here I just picked the first time where it was clear where they were trying to make a joke. Uh, I just threw it in there. Some of these are a bit longer than a minute because um, these are some long, dragged-out setups, and I just think it's interesting to listen to these samples. This is stuff you will never have heard of before and will never hear of again. Uh, as Jeff talks about, you're, you're not going to find information about these guys on Wikipedia or YouTube. They're, they're just, for the most part, unknowns. Um, it, was, it was wonderful of him to let me in, and uh, he will be on the podcast again. He's just got this massive collection. and uh, So, yeah, it's a great episode. Enjoy it. I want to thank everybody uh, so much for rating the podcast highly and giving us great comments. You guys are really helping out. It, it means a lot. So any more, any other people who can do that would be great. I do promise you these will be more frequent. Uh, we've, we're we're going to have uh, somebody. Uh, Mike actually may be helping me out uh, editing the podcast soon, so uh, taking that off my hands. So in case I screw up my leg again, uh, <laughs> this won't be an issue. So enjoy the episode. Let us know what you think. Rate us highly, if you would comments, all that good stuff. You can email me, Jason, at ComedyOnVinyl.com, and you can email Mike at Mike at ComedyOnVinyl.com. Thanks so much. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This week, I have Jeff Abraham with me. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. This, my- is, this is awesome to have you here. You 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 were the reason that, uh, I mean, you emailed me and uh, asked if I wanted Kelly Carlin on my podcast, and uh, that I, that was amazing. That was an amazing episode. Well, I love anyone who j- enjoys comedy, whether it be a writer or a comedian. I just love comedy. So anyone who's in the comedy business is a, you know, is, is my, a friend of mine. And then anyone who's into comedy albums or vinyl, thank <laughs> God it's making a comeback, I love. Yeah. And then I've heard a couple of your shows. You did a, a Todd Glass oh, a did a, a, a great one. show on George Carlin. And he, uh, his uh, Kelly hasn't heard it yet, but his impression of George is pretty dead on when he does it. I, I, I'm enjoying. It. I enjoy it when he does it. Well, um, I was George's publicist for the last eleven years of his life. Really? And um, I got a phone call from his agent, and he said, "How would you like to represent George Carlin?" And it was pinch me. And I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think when George died, I think the quote I gave is, "If it was like when somebody calling you up and say, how would you like to play catch with Mickey Mantle right. or Joe DiMaggio?'" Right. I mean. I mean, I was a fan of George, yeah. you know, way before I worked with him, of course. And, mm-hmm. you know, I got to see him once at a club here in, uh, we're in West, L- 
well, at West LA, there was a club called Igby's. Okay. It was on Pico and Barrington, and I saw Bill Hicks there. Mm-hmm. I saw Carlin there. So I got to see a lot of great comedians, yeah. and um, I got his autograph. And you know, flash forward, I'm his publicist. That's amazing. So, it's so amazing to work with these giants, yeah. and then now to collect their work. Um, among this mass, we are in the Abraham Comedy Archives. This is blowing my mind. This is. It's not the largest comedy album collection, but I would say I'm in the top five. I would have to imagine you and Dr. Demento are, you know. Uh, There's a couple of other guys. There's actually a guy on eBay who spends more money than I do. Uh But believe it or not, we've become friends through eBay, and he buys stuff. I don't think he never plays his stuff. (laughs) I don't think he even has a turntable. So I say to him, do me a favor. Let me borrow X, Y, and Z. Uh I'll give you a, a a CD trade, a dupe. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've gotten some amazing rare stuff oh, from him. Yeah. And it, it's it's amazing the stuff that's out there. Yeah. So my, what I do in the Abraham Comedy Archives in this vast room, which you can't see, it's a collection of show business autobiographies, um, newspaper clippings, DVDs, CDs, thousands upon thousands of albums representing, I always say, from... Chaplin to Cheech and Chong. <laughs> Someone said, well, that's C to C. That's not the big range. No, it's basically it's from the turn of the century up until today's comedians. Yeah. You know? So that's what we try to do. And what the, the fascinating part about it is it's very easy to get Bob Newhart albums. Sure. You know, he made millions of them. They were the first um, best-selling records. And, mm-hmm. you know, he and Shelley Berman, you know, gold rec- early gold record sellers. You know, that now they've been reissued on CDs. Right. But now that I've gotten to the point that I have all the easy albums, sure. I want the, the one-hit wonders, the regional guys. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that now with sure. guys who are like making CDs in their basement. Of course. There's little upstart record labels. Mm-hmm. There are, guys will give you a, do, you know, a dollar advance and you sell your records, at your merch, right. as they call it, after your show. Well, you know what? They were doing this back in the 50s on right. vinyl. Yeah. So there's a lot of these guys, their albums are 9 out of 10 times all signed. Sure. Because they sold them after the show. And they were the big guy at the Hee Hee Room in Milwaukee. <laughs> and the only reason you, you now find these albums in California is because, you know, Harvey and Esther went were in Milwaukee. They took it back home to L.A. Right, right. And when they sold their stuff, it went to the thrift store. Yeah. So that's where you find this stuff, isn't it? So as people are now dumping their vinyl, yeah. that's where all this great stuff is out there. That'd be a lot less cost of, cost effective at the time to print up your own shit, right? I mean, am I wrong? Am I? Am I? I don't know. You know, I think these guys were that popular. They were the yeah. big thing in the hee hee room. That's true. And you know, they they're working rooms that sat three hundred people. Yeah. You know, yeah. these were not amateur guys. Sure, pressing sure. It. I mean, they just were, didn't make it nationally. Right. They did not. Right. Had no TV credits, and they sold their albums. So to print five hundred copies. Yeah. They could probably go through it like that quickly. That's true. That's true. But the funny thing is, you know, they, <laughs> so they printed, say, 2,000 records. I may have only seen three copies of some of these records. Right. Again, because you're regional. I bet you if I went to Milwaukee. A ton of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Couldn't, you can't. It's, you know, it's like you go to a thrift store and you're going to see Von Meter Records, the first right. family. Right. <laughs> because it was the biggest selling. I have not been to an estate sale and not seen the first family. If there's a record, a comedy record there, it's every time. Right. First family's always there. And it's the it's the equivalent of the Peter Frampton Live. Yes, yes. And or or New Heart, the Button Down Mine, you know, Cosby, Why Is Your Air? Yep, yep. And the 
you know, I always say Vaughn Meter is the comedy version of Peter Frampton. I've never said that before, but I'm going to say we're it. We're saying now it now. On. Yeah, it's good. And I actually had the privilege, just recently, there was a... Um, that was, those first family albums were done by a man named... Uh, a good friend of mine, um, Bob Booker, uh-huh. and George Foster created yeah. those first family albums. Mm-hmm. And the first album, again, sold 7 million copies, was the biggest Jesus hit. Christmas. All right. The second album, I think, had a little problem. You may have heard about it in the news, uh-huh. a little yeah. incident we all know about. Mm-hmm. So Booker and Foster said, no more political comedy. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. So they created an album, When You're In Love, The Whole World Is Jewish. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great sketch albums. You know, classic sketches were not even original when they did it in 1963. Right. <laughs> Oddly enough... And when I'm not collecting this minutia, mm-hmm. I'm actually an entertainment publicist by trade. Right. I've represented some of the biggest comedians. I never like to say my my name because if I forget somebody, they'll, they'll be pissed. But anyway, <laughs> so I got to work with Bob and they, um, two friends of mine got the rights to those albums. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in love, the whole world is Jewish, and um, its sequel, which I'm drawing a blank on, terrible. Mm. Anyway, they created a review that ran here in Fairfax, a Jewish neighborhood here in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. And they these albums were as, almost as almost as big sellers as the uh, First Family. These sold so crazy. Big hits. And yeah, Bob Booker created some great comedy albums. Um, so the point is, yeah, you see that's another one you see a lot of quantity of. Mhm. Yeah. Do you out of how many? Well, first of all, how many comedy albums do you estimate? You know, you have? I make up a number. I'm going to say, you know, it's funny because I include spoken word guys. Sure. You know, I guess a radio show album, a Jack Benny radio show is technically a comedy album. Yeah. I'm guessing. Let's see. There's seven. Um, I wish you people New could Heart, see this. There's twelve Cosby. That's twenty-two. There's. I must have about maybe five thousand. Jesus. And they're all alphabetized. Yeah. I'm not like the guy in High Fidelity by color or genre. Right. Because they, that would be pointless because they're all comedy <laughs> albums. But they're alphabetically. Yeah. And this is how crazy it can get. Um, we're holding this up to the record. I just picked up one of the great, you know, Shelly Berman, one of the great comedians mm-hmm. still with us doing great albums. Inside Shelly Berman. Yeah. Outside Shelly Berman. Yeah. The edge of Shelly Berman. Right. And I had to get the British mono edition. Oh, that's awesome. Just because it's slightly different. Yeah, 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 of course. And this is how wacky it is. This album's got a great red cover, great artwork. Yeah. Well, the other day, there's a wonderful record store here in Southern California called Amoeba. Yes, sir. One of the biggest record stores. It started in Berkeley and then San Francisco, and we have it here in Southern California. It's one of the best stores. They, big, they built the biggest record store probably in the country and the smallest parking lot. I don't know. Don't <laughs> ask so me true. why. It's so true. People who in L.A. will appreciate that joke. <laughs> so this is how crazy it is. Have variations. So the album had a great, rich cover. Mm-hmm. I'm at Re- Amoeba, and I go... I already had three copies of the record. I had the mono, you know, the, the promo, the mm-hmm. sticker. And I found one with a different tint. That's so funny. I can't tell... <laughs> For you radio people in Radio Land, if it faded, yeah. if one was out and somebody got a record, you know, by... Yeah. You know, I can't tell, but I had to have it. I don't think I've ever seen red fade to magenta, though. So right. I can't imagine that that's not... So, I don't wow. know if this is the alternate, uh, that's so wacky funny. pressing. That's how you know you're a nerd, though. Yes. That you give a shit, you know, <laughs> about in fact, that. In um, fact, 
there's a we were just speaking before we got on air. There's a wonderful book called Laughter on Record, a comedy discography. And this guy probably has the foremost record collection. He's actually donated his 45 collection to, I think, to the University of Berkeley or University oh, wow. of San Francisco. It's a reverend. My fingers are in quotes. A reverend named Warren Debenham. Uh-huh. Um, he wrote a, this great book called Laughter on Record. It's nothing but a listing of comedy albums and you and think he signed my album to to a man who has almost as many comedy variations as I have because <laughs> we are fanatical oh this one has the promo sticker on it or say featuring this this album track yeah so you have to get all of those of course of course so how many of these have you listened to though you know I'm buying them faster than I can listen to but the point of an archive I wanted this archive to be a representation of 20th century comedy mm-hmm. so to you know you that the great line you can't know the future until you know your past sure so you know you know jeff foxworthy was not the first southern comedian sure you know there was jerry clower mm-hmm. and you know grandpa jones and string bean and you know archie campbell and mm-hmm. so so a lot of them is used is for reference mm-hmm. to me it's a wonderful way to capture a point in time mm-hmm. you know you know you got to remember, folks out there in uh, Radio Land, YouTube is a relatively new invention. For sure. So a lot of ways, if you wanted to see someone, you you know, you hope for maybe they did their act for a smidgen in a late night movie. Yeah. But a lot of these guys recorded their act yeah. on vinyl, so we now have that captured. But then you have certain people like Jackie Leonard, who was the original insult comedian. Sure. You know, known as Fat Jack Leonard. You, your, you Jerry Lewis fans will know him from the disorderly orderly. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was the original insult comic before Don Rickles, and at a famous Friars roast, he was the MC, and the styles were different, but they were similar enough. And he goes, Don, you got a great act, mine. <laughs> um, but he was one of those guys that was very, I would say, leery of putting his act on vinyl. He goes, yeah. Why would you? Maybe a lot of it was probably twofold. Certain things only work at the moment. Sure. And the other guys, they didn't want to give it away for for, for four ninety five. Of course. And then yeah. you go and you see the show, you go, wait a minute, I just heard this on the album. Yeah. Yeah. But then Newhart, I think, was of the reason he goes, this is a great souvenir, or oh my right. god, I love this this bit on album. I need to see the guy in person. Sure. You know, I worked. I'll, I can. I said. I can say this. I worked with him in the past. Jeff Foxworthy. He never liked to do out material once he put it on CD. Yeah. But he said people would he would be very disappointed. He would after the show they go, "Why didn't you do so and so bit? I brought right. my brother in law and he loved that, but he wanted <laughs> oh, to no. hear it." Yeah. So it is a catch twenty two. Sure. You know, you know they say comedy is the element of surprise. Mm-hmm. But we also are laughing at that f- that familiar thing that we remember. Remember that it's almost like a song. You know we. You know, when we hear Frank Sinatra sing Young and Heart, you think about your first date. Sure. I don't think anybody thinks about, you know, hearing a mom's Mabel and go, oh, yeah, we had, we heard that on my first date. Right, right. But you do laugh because it takes you back to a different time. Yeah. Um, look, we've all heard Who's on First a thousand times. Of course. So the element of surprise is no longer valid. Sure. It's just well craftsmanship. Of course. And it will always work. Mm-hmm. And New Hearts. Um, you know, bus driver routine and the uh, <laughs> USS Codfish, you know, those classic routines yeah. will literally stand the test of time. Of course. And Cosby's Noah mm-hmm. will right up there and uh, Shelley Berman's Ledge Psychology, you know, right 
but it's funny. I, I saw um, Cosby, and he talked about. He said, and he he stopped doing the album. You know, the the Noah stuff because he said people were like would be mouthing the words. He goes, <laughs> if you're gonna do that, he goes just stay at home. Right. That's and so funny. when Carson was retiring, Cosby came out and did I think Noah. Uh huh. And he got about me about a minute and a half. And he goes, "All right, that's all I can remember." <laughs> And you want to talk about a guy who's prolific. Yeah. You know, oh my God. Yeah. You know, you know Cosby, you know, he had one concert movie. Mm-hmm. That was it. You're right. But he had 15 albums. So right. You, so you took, why do I collect? It's because it's, this is how, you're capturing their work. Of course, yeah. And it's an ama- and he's still brilliant. And believe it or not, there will be a Cosby Comedy Central special airing in November. It was done for here. Really? Here in Cerritos, a venue here in Southern California, and they recorded a couple of shows, and they're editing the best of the shows, and it's going to air in Comedy Central, I think, in November. That's insane. And he is that great. Yeah. Cosby, I re- you know what? You know, certain guys are a shell of themselves. Sure. But you know what? Cosby still has it. Go out and see him if he's in your town. Uh Woody Allen just said he had saw Mort Saul perform yeah. at the Carlisle. He's, I didn't know Mort Saul was still performing. You know, I think it's very selective. Sure, you know, I I'm think sure. a lot of guys are not working due to, you know, the business has changed. Sure, there isn't plentiful. They haven't reached iconic status. Yeah. Um, but Lenny, um, Woody said, Woody, my good friend, Woody, <laughs> Woody Allen said, you know what? He kind of still has it, yeah. you know. Yeah. He goes, "It was," and that was the guy that he said influenced him. He said, "This sure. is the guy." So that's another reason. Again, we're talking about the past. Mm-hmm. If Woody Allen says this is the guy, yeah, you'd be kind of stupid not to listen to the guy, right? Oh, I mean Carlin too. I mean Mort Saul seemed to have just like spawned all of these like amazing right people. I mean everybody thinks it goes Lenny Bruce to Carlin, but Carlin talk, seemed to. Talk more about Mort Saul and say, you know, of course Lenny Bruce, but right. Mort Saul was more the guy I was watching. Yeah, I mean Mort was again. It's it's Mort and Shelley mm-hmm. and Newhart. I mean they have the stats for. And I, I'm going to butcher this. So I'm lumping them together. <laughs> the first gold record, yeah. the first you know um, Grammy. Mm-hmm. I always mix up who ha- who got the first Grammy, who got. So I, I'm going to lump them in. Those are, I mean those are the three really giants yeah. of comedy albums that really started the craze about 1960. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we always had seventy eights before that, you know. Guys mm-hmm. like Jessel recorded seventy eights sure. and Amos and Andy and mm-hmm. Cohen on the telephone, yeah. which goes back to <laughs> the t- early teens. So um, I know Newhart and Berman always fight out who were doing phones, but they were doing that way before that. Sure. And there's a woman, um, Arlene Harris, who's on a classic episode of the Dick Van Dyke Show. Um, about Edward Carp, where they go back for an old-time radio show. Mm-hmm. And she was known as Miss Chatterbox, because she could talk 250 words a minute. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. so I think she had a phone routine. For sure. Yeah, so there's, there's no one original. What you do is you take your variation. Milton Berle once told the story. Some comedians were complaining to Milton Berle. Hey, this guy took my airplane joke. This <laughs> guy took my airplane routine. He goes, guys... This will go. They're all doing so and so's train routine, right? Right, right. Um, And they just had recently at Bottoms and Bottoms, a big auction house, the Milton Berle estate sale, Mm -hmm. and they sold Milton Berle's joke file. Oh, 
And they had a filing cabinet with the worst, the corniest, terrible jokes. Sure, of course. And looking at this cabinet, he those weren't his jokes. Mm -hmm. However, when Milton Berle had to do a special dinner for a football organization, yeah. He had he could go into that file and pull out fifteen football jokes. Yeah, yeah. So, and so I got I spent a day at that auction preview mm -hmm. going through these scripts. Mm -hmm. And what Milton Berle would do is he collected jokes, yeah, joke files, and would buy old scripts from old vaudevillians and yeah. collected stuff. Because when he was on radio, he didn't have a budget to hire writers. Sure, and when he went on TV. Milton Burrow would say, my budget for the Texaco show was 15000 above and below the line. <laughs> so he said, I remembered every sketch yeah. he ever heard. Oh, my God. And so he collected all these old jokes. Then they had another filing cabinet, which, which was actually his act. Wow. On cards. Wow. And, he, and it was great to watch, to look at those cards and mm -hmm. see words italicized and underlined mm -hmm. and, in ca and, and written in capital letters to where the emphasis was. Yeah. So it was truly fascinating, but so subconsciously I was, you know, influenced by the Burroughs that he, he always said, let me check my files. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I saw the files and he really did keep this stuff. That's insane. And it's, it's the same thing with me. I want to record. I do this for future generations. I, anytime I hear anyone helping, working on a documentary and comedy, I always say, my archives are yours. Yeah. The only thing I ask in return is... If you get anything, copies, DVDs, just make me a copy for my archives. Of course, yeah. I don't, I don't own the copyright to any of this stuff. Sure. I just make it available. Of course. And, and the best part is, collecting comedy albums, it's a pretty fun thing, because most of the part, they're pretty fun albums to listen yeah. to. Yeah, You know, some are cringeworthy, I bet. Of course. Just like rock albums, you know, some things, you know, one-hit wonders, you know, achy, breaky heart, do we really want to listen to that <laughs> over and over again? But no, I'll. Um, what we're going to play here today is these are actually. There's another gr great comedy record guide called Goldmine's Comedy Record Guide, and it, he has done a wonderful job cataloging, describing most of the mainstream albums. It's a little one-hit wonders and regional albums, but he couldn't do all of them, of course, because the book would be the size of Manhattan phone book, and certain ones you never come across. Yeah. So what I did was pull today about a half a dozen albums of guys so obscure they're not in the book. Uh, I don't think Wikipedia, YouTube would even find it, would, would yeah. uh, give us any clues who these guys are. It's amazing. You may not even find a copy on eBay. They're not valuable. Yeah. That's the great part yeah. is. Yeah. Um, I pride myself in that most of these albums are very inexpensive. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was saying earlier... The great thing about this is a very inexpensive hobby. Lenny Bruce albums, and because of eBay, they're actually not as expensive as they once were because yeah. there's so many of them. His albums in mint condition are very collectible. Brother Theodore, yeah, uh, Lord Buckley, yeah, re resurgence is very collectible. I mean, there, I mean, I mean, then you there's private pressings, Friars roasts are very collectible, yeah. but for the most part, I think my budget is like. Five or six dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I may have paid more for here and there. But like I said, it doesn't take a genius to pay a, to buy a ten dollar record for ten dollars. Right. right. If I can buy a, a ten dollar record for two dollars, I have myself made. So we are going to uh, uh, slap on some vinyl. Sounds good. Are we ready, kids? <laughs> I think the first one we're going to do 
was Bob Mitchell Really Live. This one, actually, I think I did pay 20 bucks for this. The reason I did, because it was, had, a nude, had nude women on the cover. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of comedy labels, Facts, would have nude women on the cover. Uh-huh. Just to, because they were like, they were naughty right. records. Right, Party records. <laughs> so they were sold with that. So those albums are very collectible because people collect that. Mm-hmm. Cheesecake covers, as they're called. Sure. So those are collectible. And as I said, the great thing about these regional records are they're autographed. So yeah. not only do you get a great comedy album, you get uh, you get Bob Mitchell's uh, autograph on the back. So we are going to put on Bob Mitchell Really Live from the Palomino Club. Um, and I just there is a, a a quote on the back from Forrest Duke, who wrote for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Bob Mitchell is probably the most envied man in the state of Nevada. Where else in this state, generously generously populated with beautiful ladies who are generously endowed with curly with girly curves, can can that boy girl watchers like to watch? Could you find a guy who's surrounded each night by dozens of Nevada's most generously endowed girl type girl, and he gets paid for it? And Bob Mitchell is the <laughs> MC. And this is a you know these are journeymen. Yeah. This was recorded at the Palomino Club in Las Vegas. You will see. You will see and hear not only Bob, but you will hear more ladies on one stage than anywhere else, even if you've been to the spicy clubs in Paris. So, here we go. Bob Mitchell. Let's do this. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the Palomino Club most proudly presents its very own comedy star, Mr. Bob Mitchell. And good evening to you. Welcome to the Palomino Club. By golly, I feel pretty good tonight. The Palomino Club. This is a place that contributes more to accidents that happen in the parking lot than any place in town, I think. Or people that happen by accident, whatever the hell it is. We got a lot of things happening for you here this evening. Is anybody celebrating anything? Like a birthday, anniversary, wedding, divorce, shack up. Who's got a birthday? Who is that? Uh, no, don't just raise your hand unless you want to go to the bathroom. But, what's your name, sir? Mike? Happy birthday, Mike. This one's got a birthday? He was just 22. Bullshit. It was 22 years ago he had a heart on. That's all. What the hell you... No, that's... Congratulations to you all on your birthday. I'm celebrating. Probably the worst game of golf I ever played in my life. I only hit two good balls all day, and that's when I stepped on a rake in a sand trap. <laughs> so it's going to be a rough night for me, I'll tell you that. So, uh, we just listened to we a bunch of We just listened to tracks. the wonderful Bob Mitchell. Yes. Bob yes. Mitchell really live at the Palomino in Las Vegas. <laughs> so. uh, one, of the, one of the unsung heroes of Las Vegas history. <laughs> Apparently. Um, it's, and uh, I think um, he may become sung after this. <laughs> Speaking of sung, uh, our next artist is Clint Harris. We're playing the two sides of Clint Harris um, on some record label out of Joplin, Missouri. Um, The terrible thing is, after reading the liner notes, he had another album called Songs and Satire, which I don't think I have. But we're listening to the two sides 
of Clint Harrison, a little mainly did a lot more music. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he did a little, one or two little corny jokes. We were included to give you a sampling of Mr. Clint Harris. Thank you so very much. Look at all the lovely women sitting around. Aren't they gorgeous? They really are. I mean, for the way women dress today, you just don't know what you're up against. Yeah. Amen, you say. <laughs> women at different ages sort of remind me of different parts of the world. I like her. <laughs> no, they do really from like, for example, from say 16 to 25, they're kind of like Africa, hot and unexplored. 25 to 35, more like Asia, wild and unpredictable. 35 to 45, more like Europe, take most anything they can get for nothing. <laughs> 45 to 55, just like the United States, they'll give away everything they got. <laughs> But 55 to 75 is like Australia. Everybody knows what's down there, but nobody gives a damn. Our next artist is Vernon A. Bennett. My Party. My Party album for adults only. Jokes, jokes, and jokes. Out of Sacramento, California. Recorded live 1973. It's kind of scary that actually some of these albums are as late as 73. I know. Because it has that 1950s BS pulley oh, yeah. vibe. And you wonder why a lot of these guys never came out of uh, their local town. For sure. <laughs> um, and also, because the albums were dirty, I mean, you got to remember, this is, you know, even in the 70s, you know, Carlin was barely dirty at this point. Yeah. Lenny was a, a fluke. Mm-hmm. So the only time to really hear dirty albums dirty material was in a nightclub yeah and these guys were nightclub comics for sure and the albums was a, 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 a was a true representation that's why we love this stuff mm-hmm. um i wish i could tell you more but the back of his jacket is completely blank <laughs> totally blank um his home address is on the front though. yeah we know um he lives in sacramento california he probably sold this out of his house mm-hmm. oddly enough it was not autographed which is rare for these kind of albums but was, this was from recorded live in 1973 at Heavenly Productions and Recording Studios in Sacramento. Good old Vernon Bennett. Welcome to my party. You know, when I was coming in the building just now, I met a fellow outside that I knew, and he started talking to me, and, and we're talking about the younger generation, you know, and about the, the free love. Well, that was one thing we did agree on, the free love. The price was right. But <laughs> any, Anyway, he's asked to me, he says, you know, I didn't even sleep with my wife before I married her, did you? And I said, well, hell, I don't know. What was your wife's maiden name? <laughs> and I was walking down the river the other day, and I seen this girl on the bank fishing. She's sitting there a long time by herself, you know, and I walked up to her, and I said, what are you fishing for? She said, I'm fishing for me a man. I said, then why in the hell are you sitting on your bait? <laughs> Now, this 18-year-old girl, beautiful girl, she goes to the doctor. The doctor said, I think I better give you a complete physical. She said, okay. So he got her undressed, got her up on the table, and he's feeling of her breasts. And he said, you know what I'm doing now? She said, yeah, you're checking my breasts for cancer. He said, yeah, that's right. Pretty soon he was feeling of her pelvis. He said, you know what I'm doing now? He said, yeah, you're checking my pelvis for cancer. He said, yeah, that's right. 
So pretty soon he jumped right up on top of the table, right on top of her. He said, you know what I'm doing now? She said, yeah, you're checking me for venereal disease. That's what I came to see you about. <laughs> then we have Lark Ellen Records. Whew, scary. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, uh, they were out of Redondo Beach, California. And this is Joe Bingo. <laughs> funny, funny world. You know, if you need two funnies, you, you, you know, that really says it all. The funny, funny world of Joe Bingo. A comedy riot. Uh, but Mr. Bingo actually must have been somewhat of a known guy because yeah. he has liner, um, he has uh, nice comments from Billy Barty, mm-hmm. one of the giants in our business, no pun intended, or pun intended, <laughs> Steve Allen, Jack Albertson, and he was a past president of the Hollywood Comedy Club, which was actually uh, all the bad comedy guys were members of. Milton yeah. Burl held the membership. And again, the other thing of this was this was it had a copyright of um, 1976. That one blew that blew my mind. Again, too. <laughs> you would have thought these were 50s. Again, you looking at the cover too. The cover doesn't look. Yeah, I mean they look very dated. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is, and the nice thing is he mm-hmm. actually gives me uh, credit to two special writers, uh, a Paul Pumian at a Sunland and a Dan Anderson at a Renland. I'm surprised these guys would want to uh, be responsible for this material. But that's Joe Bingo for us. Are there, uh, outside of the Friars Club, like, what other clubs? That's got to be it, right? For, for no, well, guys? there was another club, which was called the Maskers. Uh-huh. Um, which was more, the Friars was more Jewish. Mm-hmm. The Maskers was more Irish. We had Joey mm. Browns, okay. Lou Costellos. And they actually had a building on Sycamore just south of where the Magic Castle is. Uh-huh. Or Orange. And Mike, I apologize. The building is no longer there, but it was a great building. I went there once, I think in like 78. Uh-huh. And there's actually a Masker's Facebook page, and they have some great memorabilia. Yeah. And there's actually a, a roast for Judy Garland, I think Jessel's the MC, live at the Masker's. Wow. For Mae West, I'm sorry. Oh, Mae West, okay. And there's a couple of really great, some Masker's stuff. So uh, if you're really bored, go to <laughs> Masker's Facebook page. Let's have a big welcome for Mr. Joe Bingo. What do you say, huh? Oh, thank you very, very much. If I appear tired to you tonight, it's uh, for a reason. I just returned from Israel. I was over there getting enough money to keep New York alive. (laughs) And before I left to come here tonight, my wife says, where are you going? And I said, I'm going down to the brass plotter and entertain the nice people. She says, you're going to drive me to my grave. And I had a car out in two minutes. Yeah, you got to see my wife. She's five foot two. She weighs 327 pounds. Yeah, she takes her girdle off, her feet disappear. Yeah, you laugh. You don't know what I got to go through. Then we have the Bennett brothers. Um, I guess in the tradition of the Smothers brothers, were a lot of comedy duos, Gaylord mm-hmm. and Holiday, who did who did comedy. They did music, song yeah. parodies. 
Um, they worked a lot of the lounges. You know, Rickles was a lounge act. Yeah. Shecky Green was a lounge act. But they be, these guys became headliners. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think the big, the Bennett brothers ever <laughs> got out of there. But this is inside and outside, recorded live at the La Mirada Bowl, which is in California, and the Fremont Hotel in Vegas. Um, this is Kip and Ken, the Bennett brothers. The first side we listened to, which we may not include, was was. It was kind of straight singing. We yeah. actually had to flip it over for some really bad jokes about oh, Mexico. Boy. Again. One of them sounded like he didn't even want to be there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe they were fighting. This might have been their last performance. Um, <laughs> but this was inside and outside of the Bennett Brothers, Kip and Ken. I'd like to tell you about the time I took a trip to Tijuana right now. First thing I did when I got to Tijuana was to check into one of the hotel rooms. I was unpacking my bag, and I heard this drip, drip, dripping noise in the bathtub. So I called the desk clerk, and I said, Desk clerk, I got a leak on my bathtub. He said, to go ahead, the customer's always right. <laughs> I heard a knock on the door. I went over, and I opened the door, and there stood a lady with a couple 38s. And in her hand, she had guns. <laughs> I asked her if she'd like to go fishing, so I took her fishing for three days and three nights. I didn't catch a thing. I guess I was lucky. <laughs> I took that same girl fish, and I caught a bullhead, a bass, and a crappie. Now, you mean a crappie, dummy. I don't know what it was, but it sure smelled funny, I can tell you that. <laughs> now we have Rogers and Miller, another great comedy team. <laughs> I, will, I will say for one thing in their... Favor, their album is actually probably one of the heaviest vinyl I've ever seen. Most of it were, were cheap on press vinyl. Yeah. So this is actually a pretty f- heavy record. Yeah. This is live at the office. And it says, live, live, live. The only way to describe <laughs> it, why the Grant Rogers Bruce Miller Festival of Lifehearted Shenanigans. Those are the best kind of shenanigans, <laughs> oh, folks. Of course. <laughs> um, record their first comedy album, hopefully it was their last, at St. Petersburg <laughs> Livest Nightclub. Jesus. Anyway, this is uh, the wonderful uh, Grant Rogers and Bruce Miller. First teamed up, they were an instant sensation, according to uh, I guess according to them. <laughs> Apparently, this is a, that's the one that had the uh, odd. Well, a couple of them had this weird ambient sound in the background too, where it sounds like they just didn't give a shit. Well, I don't think you know back then they didn't have the best recording yeah. equipment, but they were recorded live at a club, so yeah. they are ultimate souvenirs. Now we had a runchy crop. We had a runchy crowd you wouldn't believe. You should have seen them sitting out there. Sitting. Cigars stuck in their mouths. In their, their mouth. feet on the table. The- Ashes all over them. Oh, their shirts wide open. Their big fat bellies hanging out. Yeah. And the men were even worse. <laughs> These were the girls. You don't know this crowd we had last night. Terrible crowd. I was singing a song last night, and the girl, she says, Grant, I want it in the worst way. What did you say? I said, the worst way I know is standing up in a hammock wearing roller skates. <laughs> No, my girl, she says, I want to go to the drive-in movie. There's a picture she wanted to see at the drive-in movie. It was uh, with Jane Mansfield and Trigger. It was called Strange Love. And, uh, yeah, you know, one of those pictures. So finally, I got a night off, and I take her to a drive-in movie, and we're sitting there, you know, and uh, she says, Grant, isn't it romantic in the drive-in movie? Listen to the crickets. I said, crickets, hell, those are zippers. Oh, she's a dumb broad in that drive-in. That's the only movie in the world where the picture watches you. That's right. <laughs> now listen, playing at the drive-in movie was a movie I'm sure you've all seen. It was called The Ten Commandments. Oh, yes, good, good. Now, everybody in this audience at one time or another, I'm sure, has seen The Ten Commandments. Yes. But friends, until you've seen The Ten Commandments performed at a drive-in theater, you haven't seen it at all. 
During one particular scene, the fellow sitting in the car next to me got so carried away, so excited, so nervous, he tromped his foot down on the accelerator, drove his car right through the motion picture screen. <laughs> now, friends, I want to tell you, that's the first time I've ever seen Moses leading the Jews out of Egypt in a 1963 Oldsmobile. <laughs> then we have Harold the Horny Toad, I Love You Gertrude, <laughs> autographed, of course. Of course. By Ronnie Prophet, live at the Carousel Club in Printer's Alley. In Nashville, Tennessee, this is a frog production. There's a picture of a frog, and there's some frog jokes in the act. Um, friends, this album is put together for the one reason, to make people laugh. You know what, Ronnie? You, you lived up to it. You made me laugh, you know? Good evening, and welcome to the Carousel Club. Yours truly, Ronnie Prophet with you. Hot damn, it's going to be a good night. Saturday night, we're all ready to hook it. Right, ma'am? Boy, is she ready. <laughs> Anyhow, my job was to put a little joy in your heart. I get paid to do this. Of course, I end up giving most of my money to Uncle Sam. He says he's going to give it back to me when I'm 65. <laughs> That's like giving peanuts to a squirrel after he's lost all his teeth. <laughs> Don't laugh. Somebody's got to support Medicare. You know the definition of Medicare is like a diaphragm. You get the sense of security the same time you're getting screwed. <laughs> How about that, eh? <clears throat> If you're going to applaud, lady, go ahead and applaud. Just don't sit there going, Where are you from? You're from down here? No, you got to be a tourist, right? Where, where are you from, really? Lexington, Kentucky. This your husband over here? Well. Uh-oh. She said, well. <laughs> I, well, it could be just a weekend, you know. Well, it's good to see you both up and around, I'll tell you that. Fine. Lexington, Kentucky, great. Fine. Okay, how about the front table over here in the marijuana section? Hi, darling. Good evening, sir. How are you doing? Where are you from? Memphis. <laughs> She's from Memphis. <laughs> Got her nose fixed, her mouth don't work. <laughs> I come from Memphis. <laughs> Is that old stud there beside you? <laughs> no, I'm not looking at her. I'm looking at him, ma'am. Then we have an album by Little Lamo. The queer goes to church, turn on the washing machine, till I start wearing glasses, take me to the river, and of course, don't count on your finger and others. This is called Joke Time, on Joke Time Records, nonetheless. Um, you know what? Uh, what do we know about this album? It was a, it's, This album is designed for, designed for those interested in humor, wit, and fun, just for laughs. He's been called the Mr. Life of the Party. He's from Mississippi. Um, he did all the musical arrangements on this. Uh, it was the accident spokesman for a group called the Synchronaires. In touring with the group, uh, Little Lamo was the man who recites Paul Lawrence Dunbar, better than Dunbar himself. Now, after a short retirement, he's back, thank goodness. <laughs> then, whatever, with his new LP, Joke Time, which in my opinion should be a smash. Again... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Joke time, ladies and gentlemen. Who is that? Joke time. J-O-K-E. T-I-M-E. Joke time. My being here tonight, ladies and gentlemen, reminds me of a story I heard once about a big, bad bulldog. Once there was a man who had a big, bad bulldog, which he had to keep locked up at most times. There was another man who had a big German Shepherd dog. He would take him for a walk daily, 
when he passed by the big bulldog's yard, the bulldog would rap on the fence hollering, hoo, hoo, wish I was out there. Hoo, hoo, wish I was out there. Last one day he passed by with his German shepherd dog, taking him for a walk. The big bad bulldog ran up on the gate, hollering, wish I was out there. Wish I was out there. Someone had gone out just beforehand and left the gate open, so automatically he was out there. The German shepherd dog towed him up, whipped him into threads. Big bad bulldog ran back in the yard, hollering, who, who, who left that gate open? Who, who, who left that gate open? Time and time, I've seen celebrities in the spotlight. Something within me seemed to say, who, who, wish I was up there. Who, who, wish I was up there. But now that you got this damn spotlight on me, I wonder... Who, who, who turned that thing on me? Who, who, who turned that thing on me? Um, then there was a guy named Roy Avery. Most of his albums were signed. Mm-hmm. This one oddly was, is not, but I have many of his other albums, and they are signed. And this yeah. is called Jokes, Jokes, and Jokes, um, out of California. Uh, most of his albums are actually, I think he even makes reference to the Anaheim Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So literally... It's you know he I think he had an accordion in the background for musical accompaniment. This is a he was Mr. Comedy. You know yeah. Mr. Wayne Newton was Mr. Las Vegas. Yeah. Roy was Mr. Comedy. A great party album, which is a a phrase which is used on many albums. Sure. Because that was the feeling. That's why you went to a nightclub for party material. Yeah. And Roy and all these guys don't disappoint. Well, thank you very very much. Uh... A wonderful audience tonight. You showed up. I uh, had a smaller audience last night, and he was such a nice guy. And uh, he kept asking me to do this Tennessee waltz. Next thing you know, he had big tears in his eyes. I said, are you from Tennessee? And he says, no, I'm a musician. And uh, uh, I'd gone to visit Charlie, an old buddy of mine. He used to play drums. I went by his house, it was almost midnight. I saw Charlie and his wife in the window making love, so I thought, well, I'll come back tomorrow at noon. So the next day, I said, Charlie, the least you could do, I mean, I saw you and your wife in the window, the least you could do is pull down the shades. He says, the joke's on you, I wasn't home last night. (laughs) Now, uh, yes, well, he's a character. He was walking up the main street there, that's how I met the guy in the beginning. I I had just purchased one of these big grandfather clocks, you've seen them, five foot high. I was carrying it home, and this drunk bumped in, and he broke it all to pieces. I said, you stupid drunk, why don't you watch where you're going? He says, why don't you wear a wristwatch like everybody else? So that's a smattering. And the last track we have is probably from one of the greatest comedians, of com- comedy comedians, Groucho Marx. Yeah. The, an Evening with Groucho, one of the great albums of all times. Um, live at Carnegie Hall. But it really wasn't recorded live at Carnegie Hall. Um, it was recorded a lot in Iowa and San Francisco. Really? And by the time he'd done the concert in Carnegie Hall, the album was already out. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a, a misnomer. Um, That's so But it's, funny. it's a great album. And then Groucho did another appearance here in L.A. Yeah. Uh, he was ill. Yeah. He had a stroke. It was delayed. And he was at the, um, I want to say the, um, like the, the Amundsen or the, what, um, 
Dorothy Chandler. Oh, okay. He okay. did that here. This is like 1974. Mm-hmm. The late Marvin Hamlish is playing the piano. That's great. Groucho's doing great stories. Dick Cavett introduces yeah. Groucho. And this is probably 1974. Groucho was getting a little, a little bit of revival. Yeah. You, you Bet Your Life was on TV. Yeah. Marx Brother movies, again, were very... It was a cool thing to be a Marx Brother fan. Sure. They weren't... You know, You know. again, this is there was no... TCM back in those days, mm-hmm. yeah, so they were co- revival houses. That's yeah. how you saw these movies. And Groucho made a a comeback. It was the cool, you know, Groucho and W. C. Fields were signs of anti-establishment. I had an uncle who was a chiropodist. He would come to your house and he had a small suitcase, and he would cut your toenails for twenty-five cents. Then he got a job. Because <laughs> there's not much money in cutting toenails for 25 cents. And it was cold. It was winter. So he got a job setting fire to hotels in the Catskills. <laughs> then he was so good at this that they finally transferred him and they gave him a job in the Adirondacks where they had much bigger hotels to bind up. You finally wound up in Sing Sing. And this album really means a lot to me because it's one of the first comedy albums I've ever owned. Mm -hmm. And I think the first comedy album I ever owned, though, was one of the Woody Allen... Uh, compilations. Okay. You know, his first albums were done on Colpix, Great, The Moose, and mm-hmm. you know we all know those yep. great stories. But he reissued the album as a two-record set. Right, yeah. And he reissued it twice. And each time he did slight editing and tweaking it. I was wondering what was different, because we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago on another episode, and I, I wasn't sure what the difference between the two was. Yeah, really. and even they're even different. <laughs> if you want to hear the albums as they were, you have to go out and see the original albums. Yeah. Which I don't know if all three albums have been reissued in vinyl right, as they originally were issued. Um, but, you know, we were talking earlier why a lot of, why comedy albums are so damn cheap is because they're so dated. Sure. You know, we heard a reference to Vic Tannies. Mm-hmm. If you're a Woody Allen fan, uh, he talks about Vic Tannies. The, I mean, the style is so dated. You know, it's it's so mother-in-law jokes and henpeck wise. Sure. But, you know, but then you have Woody Allen, which was, I guess those albums were in the mid-60s. They're not dated at all. No. I mean, they're classics. Yeah. Because he was doing such cerebral storytelling. Mm-hmm. And they're so great, and they literally hold the test of time, along with, you know, the Cosby's and the New Hearts. Sure. And that, you know, that really changed. You know, you had the, you know, the best of the mother-in-law comics was, you know, Alan King. Yeah. You know, talking about, you know, doctors and airlines. You know, the, the traditional sure. guy material. You know, most of these guys. If we, you know, if we took all these albums and changed the jackets and records and switched them around, you wouldn't. That's wouldn't true. matter. That's true. They were all their acts were interchangeable. Yeah. It wasn't until, I guess, the mid fifties, in the beginning of the sixties, we had what was called sick humor. Yeah. Shelley Berman, Mort Saul, mm-hmm. Nichols and May, uh, Freeberg, yeah. Lenny Bruce, and then leading into um, Bob Newhart and people like that. It was just yeah. kind of like a little different, you know, a little bit of an edge. Sure. And. Um, that's what today wasn't about those guys. This was about the 
the tra- a great unsung tradition, and which I guess is still carried on by guys like Freddie Roman, Dick mm-hmm. Capri. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to see any of those guys, if they're going to do a mother-in-law's joke, it's gonna, trust me, it's going to be the best mother-in-law yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah. The best airline joke, the best housewife joke. I mean, I mean, they were the, the best. And there's guys still, do, like I said, those guys are still doing it out there. Yeah. Um, but again, thank God some of it has been <laughs> locked away in a vault, except for comedy on vinyl. And that's what we do on this wonderful show and if i could be a small part of it today was to dig deep into the abraham comedy archives um to bring out some hidden uh, in, again quotes gems <laughs> that we're going to hear only here no there's no one else playing this stuff That's we love true. dr demento oh yeah but he's playing he's playing novelty sure he's playing weird al he's yeah. playing doodles weaver <laughs> alan sherman mickey Katz, which was another version of comedy albums musical comedy right but you don't hear spoken word comedy. Mm-mm. And for you know what? Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> so we sign off. Um, support your local record store. Absolutely. Go to Record Surplus. Go to Amoeba. But support your record local record store. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, first of all, thank you so much for doing this. This is awesome. And we should do it again because you've got so much to pick from. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm almost out of albums. So this, <laughs> this might be it, folks. I only have... 4,993 more albums left. <laughs> but, you know, I actually, as we mentioned earlier, a lot of them I have nine versions of. So maybe I have yeah. 4,920 albums. Right. <laughs> because we were just um, joking that Verb did a great series of Comedy Moments albums, and there's a series of these covers that have people laughing on the cover instead of the artist for some unknown reason. <laughs> but they also have a version with the artist on Right. right. So, yes, I... Um, if you want me back, I will be back. Oh, absolutely. This has been a lot of fun. And thank you again. And everybody, thanks for listening. As, and as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, rate us highly, and write your reviews. You can follow us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl and Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl. See what all of that's in ya.